When Nancy and I first moved to Manhattan, we were invited to dinner with a new friend of ours. And the name of the restaurant was Blue Smoke. Maybe you know it. It's also a jazz club. It was pretty new at the time. And our friend who invited us there was actually an investor in the restaurant. He knew Danny Meyer, who's now a huge restaurateur, who's well-known all around the country. He's the one who started uh, Shake Shack. But back then, he was just starting these new restaurants. So we joined our friend there. There was about 10 other people at the table, and we joined in. And it was so much fun. Because he was an investor, there were no menus passed because the chef was just sending from the kitchen all the best stuff, all the appetizers, all the entrees, all the drinks. It was so much fun, you guys. Every time I looked at my glass of beer, it was like half full. I would look away and look back, it would be full again. <laughs> you have to understand, I grew up in Michigan, in western Michigan, where we never went out to eat. And in those rare occasions when we did go out to eat, I learned at a very young age to read the menu from the right to the left. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Can I afford it? Yes. I'll take the grilled cheese, please, with water. <laughs> That was me, and here I was at Blue Smoke, jazz was playing, ribs were coming, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. <laughs> Interestingly, the Bible does describe heaven that way, as an extravagant, generous feast. And in today's chapter of the Bible that we're looking at, the parable that Jesus tells concludes with an extravagant, generous feast, and it's a picture of heaven. It's a picture of eternity, and it shows us who exactly is invited, who is welcomed to that feast for all of eternity. And Jesus, in telling the story of this feast, reveals to us that there are basically two kinds of sinners. What is sin? Well, it's that thing about us that separates us from that table. It's that thing about us that separates us from God and from one another. That's what sin basically is. And in the telling of this very familiar now story, Jesus reveals that there are basically two kinds. There's two types of sinners, the self-gratifiers and the self-righteous. Jesus has to tell the story about these two categories, the two types of sin, because he has two types of people in his audience. If you look, if your Bible's still open, Look at the first verse of Luke chapter 15. We get the context of who Jesus is with when he tells this parable. And he's got two different kinds of people that he's talking to. Luke chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, it says, The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. See, there's two audiences here that Jesus is addressing. Tax collectors who are really wealthy people who have gotten all of their wealth through corrupt means. Everybody hates the tax collectors. And the sinners that are with them, it's possible, one commentary I read said, the tax collectors and sinners, that's a nice way of saying the prostitutes who hung around with these tax collectors. That's one audience Jesus is talking to. And the other audience is the Pharisees and scribes complaining about them. Jesus is talking to two different types of people, and he'll reveal to us in the story two different types of sinners. The parable begins in verse 11, and it says, Jesus said, there once was a man who had two sons. 
It really should be called the parable of the two sons. We focus so much on the first one, the one whose sin is self-gratification. But there's another son here who has the sin of self-righteousness. That is intended for those pharisaical people in Jesus' audience. Two types of sinners, self-gratifiers and self-righteous. Sinners both. Let's look at the first one first. It's presented to us in the parable of the prodigal, which is what we call it. He's gotten most of the attention over the years. I know this is probably familiar to most people in this room, but we're going to look at it again this morning. I have found new things in this parable even in the last week. God's word is amazing that way. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and reveal fresh things about this familiar story as we look at it again. So the first son, starting in verse 12, the younger of the sons said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. This is the first category, the first type of sinner, the sin of self-gratification. And it begins by the young man saying, Father, give me, give me. Maybe we could think of these people, this type of sinner is the gimme, gimme, gimme type of sinner. Gimme some money so I can go to another place and keep saying gimme, gimme, gimme. And he goes and he takes all that money. What does it say in verse 13? Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had had and took a journey to a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. There's a lot in that phrase. This gimme son, this sinner of self-gratification takes all of his inheritance and he goes to a far-off land and he sins boldly. We learn later from the older brother's telling of the story that he too has found some prostitutes. He's found the party. Can you picture him? He walks into the bar and he says, Everyone gets a round of drinks on me. And he lives this way basically until his gimme money is spent. And he ends up in the place that the sin of self-gratification ultimately lands us. He ends up all alone and desperate. He finally finds a job working for a farmer, working in a pig pen. And it says in verse 16, just look at this young man now. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. The sin of self-gratification presents itself as a party. Everyone gets a round of drinks on me. But then when the money's dried up, where are all those people? You see, the sin of self-gratification seems like it's going to be fulfilling. It seems like it's going to be so happy, but it ultimately leads. Some of you don't even need to use much imagination to picture this because you've been there or you know someone or love someone who has been there. Picture the strung out junkie, the drug addict, the alcohol addict, having burned all of his or her bridges all alone and isolated. That's what sin does, the sin of self-gratification. It presents itself as a party and community, but ultimately, it isolates. 
How does the Father respond to such offensive, outrageous behavior? Well, you probably know the story. The father misses his son. While the son is off squandering in reckless living, the father looks around the house. He sees his older son in the field, but the father looks around his household and he says, one of my sons is missing. And he looks out of his house towards the horizon every day until finally one day he sees this pathetic, dirty, scandalized son of his come hobbling towards the house. And what does the father do? He gets up, he leaves his house, and he runs. Not to say, give me my money back, but to love him. He does not condemn. He wraps his arms around him, he embraces him, he kisses him, he puts his best robe on him, and he says, let's have a party. Let's have a feast. And if that's you, or if this is someone you know or love, if you have this type of sin, or someone you love does, the sin of self-gratification, know this. The Father does not condemn you. He longs for you to come home. He longs for your wayward son or daughter or niece or neighbor or parent to come home. All is forgiven. The father kills the fattened calf, and that is a picture for us of what Jesus would do to welcome sinners of self-gratification home. He wouldn't kill a fattened calf, but he would die on the cross to pay the price necessary so that Sinners like this could be welcomed home. That's basically the gospel right there. That's the scandal of the gospel. But we've only looked at one type of sinner so far. Jesus, remember, began by saying there once was a man who had two sons, and there are two types of people in his audience. He has now dealt with one, and he has showed them the compassion of the Father. And he has revealed to these tax collectors and sinners that they too have a seat at his eternal table. And all of us who have that type of sin, the sin of self-gratification, we too are welcomed home by the compassionate Father. But now it's time for Jesus to address the other category, the other type of sinner. And he illustrates this type by telling us about the older son. Verse 25, he has us... Just take a look at this guy. Take a look at this older son. Now his older son was in the field. Just want you to picture him there. What's the older son doing out there in the field? Let's look at his own words in verse 29 when he's arguing with the father a little bit later on. He answered his father's, Look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a goat. What's he doing out there in the field? Serving. So faithful. So obedient. So mindful of his responsibilities. Thinking, probably, how pleased the father must be with him. 
And then he goes on to describe his younger brother who is squandering and living a life with prostitutes and waste and shame and scandal. You see, this is the sin of the self-righteous. We're always mindful of our own good deeds and always comparing ourselves to those people who aren't doing the good deeds. Can you just picture him out there? Maybe he has a hoe in his hand and he's opening up the soil to plant the seeds day by day, sweating in his brow, maybe thinking to himself, I'm so glad I'm not like my little brother. Serving out there in the field. Look what he says about himself. Verse 29. All these years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat. Interesting. It's the same verb that the younger brother, you remember the gimme, gimme, gimme sinner, the sinner of self-gratification, so spoiled, so entitled. The older brother uses the same word. Hey, father, you never gimme. You never gave me what I deserve. Both types of sin, sin of self-gratification and the sin of self-righteousness become entitled. Give me. The younger brother, the self-gratifying sin, says, give me so I can satisfy my fleshly desires. And the older brother says, give me because you owe me for my obedience. They both say, give me, Father. Do you remember last week in the parable of the great banquet, Jesus warned against this very thing. He warned against the people. He said, when you invite someone to your dinner party, don't invite your rich neighbors because they can repay you but invite those poor, crippled, blind, and lame because they cannot repay you. It's the same attitude that Jesus is exposing here. The sinners of self-righteousness, they think they can repay God and vice versa. The older brother, the self-righteous sinner, thinks he's owed something. You know what he's doing out there in that field? Serving. He's getting built up with his own pride his own self-righteousness. And he doesn't even know he's sinning. Tim Keller has this amazing line where he says, pride is the carbon monoxide of sin. It slowly and silently kills you and you don't even know you have it. Pride. It's like carbon monoxide, the older brother, the sinners of self-righteousness, always comparing, always comparing. Look how good I am. Look how bad they are. Full of pride, and they're dying from their own self-righteousness, and they don't even know it. Where does that lead? Well, first of all, to a completely joyless existence. In verse 26, the older brother serving faithfully, righteously out there in the field, and he hears something he doesn't even understand. Verse 26, he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Music and dancing. I can just picture, this is kind of funny to me. He's like, what is that sound? There's actual joy and gladness and community happening, and he pulls over the servant and says, what does that mean? What is that? He's completely joyless. But importantly... He, like the younger brother, ends up in the ultimate end of sin, which is loneliness and isolation. He, too, becomes lonely and isolated. Verse 27, he said to him, this is the servant talking, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But the older son was angry 
and refused to go in. Can you see it? The extravagant feast is happening inside the house. Music, dancing, joy, food, forgiveness, compassion, mercy, togetherness. And the older brother is outside the house alone. The younger brother, earlier in the story, all alone in a pig pen. It's disgusting, it's terrible, it's repulsive. The older brother, all alone by his own choosing, because of his own pride. Sin isolates us, whether it's the sin of self-gratification or the sin of self-righteousness. And once again, what does the father do? We know what he did before. He looked around the room and he said, one of my sons is missing. And he looks around the room again when the party's happening and he says, one of my sons is missing. The second half of verse 28 his father came out and entreated him. In the parable of the two sons, the father leaves the house twice. We know about the first time. He runs to the wayward son, the sin of self-gratification, but look, he gets up from the party and he leaves the house a second time because his older son is now alone, just like the younger one was. And he entreats him. He says, come on, come on into the party. It's fitting that we would celebrate. Now, I think Jesus is giving a loving warning to the Pharisees and to self-righteous sinners like me. Because at the end of the parable, as far as we know, the older brother is still outside the party. I wish there was an extra sentence near the end of the parable that said something like, and the older brother said, okay, dad, where's that little brother of mine? And he comes into the party. It doesn't happen in the parable as far as we know. There's a warning there that in these two types of sin, the sin of self-gratification and the sin of self-righteousness, one of them is harder to solve. It's harder to come home. Some years ago, I was with a guy, just the two of us, and he shared something with me. He, he shared about a sin that he had committed. And it, it was a doozy. It was a, it was a big, big sin. It was a sexual sin. And right when he shared it, I had this instinctual response I was repulsed. And I thought, I didn't say, but I thought to myself, I would never do that. I would never do that. See the pride that crept into my own heart suddenly comparing? I told that story to Pastor Heather earlier this week. And she said, and there were God's two sons. <laughs> Spoiler alert, the second one is me. One self-gratifying, the other self-righteous. 
And Heather had me look again at that story from God's eye view, looking down saying, I love them both. Sinners both. And God welcomes both types home. And just like God's eye view is on that story I just told of me and the guy, he's also looking at all of us gathered in this room this morning. Some of us self-gratifiers. Others of us self-righteous. Some of us both depending on the day. And you know what he does? My daughter's missing. My son is missing. And so God left heaven in the person of Jesus. And he runs to us. He entreats us. And he says, come on home. All is forgiven. I died for you so that you could have a place at my extravagant feast. Be careful not to stay outside the house. Let's go home together. Let's go to the communion table now and meet our loving Father.